Hey, New Vision, this is Ben Curtis, campus pastor at Buchanan, and I'm just so excited I get to share with you a few minutes together uh, today as we continue our Advent podcast. I just want to remind you that we're using a, a Christmas devotional by John Piper called Good News of Great Joy. You can go over and purchase this at your favorite bookstore online or go to Amazon, or you can download a free copy. Uh, There's a PDF that you can find on desiringgod.org. You can just search for this uh, and find it there and download it. So today, hey, we're going to be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and this is from the New International Version. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, if you like simple and to the point Luke's your man because um, as you read this, like there's just, you know, there's details, but it's very dry. In fact, the, the thing that most stands out to me in this passage is that nothing really stands out. Luke is just matter of fact. He's straightforward. He's telling us how Joseph and Mary made their way to Bethlehem. So, you know, it's tempting just to kind of skip over all these verses because it's just dry history, right? But but there's something there that we don't need to miss. And, and I think Luke is very concerned about this. He wants us to understand that the Savior that we celebrate this Christmas, his birth was rooted in history. There were actual historical events that transpired. But more than that, Luke wants us to understand that these events were brought about by God's sovereignty in order to fulfill his prophecies and his promises that he'd made in the Old Testament. Now, let's talk about that word sovereignty because it's a little like we don't use that word a lot. But the word sovereignty, the sovereignty of God just means that God is ruling He's the ruler. He's the king over all the events of the world. And he's ruling in a way that he's bringing all of his perfect plans and his purposes to fulfillment. Things don't just happen. God is in control. And, you know, there's a, I mean, there's great mystery to this, like why, why God permits evil and why at times he chooses not to intervene. Uh, but, but we have to step back and just say the Bible clearly teaches he's absolutely in control of all things. One of the prophets, Isaiah, spoke this. This is God actually speaking through Isaiah. God says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring from the end, from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. So we can certainly see that, that very principle, that very idea playing out in, in here in Luke's gospel. We see God's hand guiding all of these historical events of the first Christmas. So Luke, uh, in, in verses 1 through 2, he just basically tells us that uh, during the time, this guy, Quirinius, was governing his uh, Syria. So he wants us to understand uh, history. He wants us to understand who's ruling in the time period. And so during that time, this guy, Quirinius, was governing Syria. The Roman emperor a guy by the name of Caesar Augustus issued a decree. 
And this was the decree that everyone was to go to their birthplace to register their names for a census. The reason they were to do that, so that they could be taxed. They had to be counted so they could be taxed. So think of Caesar Augustus as head of the Roman Internal Revenue Service, right? And if you're going to tax people, you got to know how many there are. And so you got to have everyone return to their cities of birth. You record their names and then you know who they are, you know who to tax and you know how to tax them. And Augustus, a little bit of history here, Augustus was the first Caesar uh, or, or emperor of Rome. And he was actually the grandnephew and adopted son of Julius Caesar. And he ruled for around 40 years. Augustus was very influential. In fact, uh, influential enough that our month of August is named after him. And when the Roman Senate granted Julius Caesar godlike status, Augustus, because he's adopted by Julius Caesar, referred to himself as son of God. So here's this strong Roman emperor on the throne, and he's bossing people around, and he's an emperor who thought of himself as the son of God. Do you see the irony in all of this? Uh, someone might ask, well, where, where's God? Where's the God of the Bible in all of this? Um, and there's a really uh, great scripture from Proverbs. Solomon writes this, the king's heart, listen to this, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So where is God? Well, he's on his throne. He's, he's in the same place where he's always been. He's in complete control of all things. And, and the writer of Proverbs says he holds the king's heart. He holds the governor's heart. Even the president of the United States, uh, and, and here specifically, this Roman emperor's heart is in his hand. He guides their hearts when he wishes to intervene. So nothing happens without God's divine permission. And behind this human decree of Caesar is this God who is guiding the events to get Joseph and Mary right where he wants them, to get them right to Bethlehem, this pre-appointed birthplace of the Messiah. And so even that detail is significant, that, that this idea of Bethlehem, when we read in verse 3 and following that all went to be registered each to his own town, and Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the lineage of David. So again, just as kind of painting that picture that he's royalty, right? He's of this royal line, and uh, he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So Joseph is from Bethlehem. He's from the family of David. All of these details are really important. And he had to make this 75-mile journey from, from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered. Now, you can get in a car and drive that today in a little under two hours, but just think about how long it would have taken them to travel 75 miles on foot. And Joseph's very pregnant spouse, Mary, is making this journey with him. So I don't know of a single obstetrician who would recommend that, right? Mary traveling in these conditions at this stage of her pregnancy. And think about this, if if she had given birth before they made it there in in Nazareth, uh, all of all of God's promises would have been would have been uh, brought to nothing. But remember, God is guiding and his sovereign purposes are being fulfilled. So if we step back in time about 750 years before these events, this is what one of God's prophets, a man named Micah, he was prophesying about the birth of Joseph and Mary's child. And this is what he says, or rather God says through Micah in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, now listen to this phrase, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you 
shall call forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so Bethlehem, this little place out in the middle of nowhere, this little place, this small place that maybe no one's ever heard of, God's purpose was that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And Micah foretold that 750 years before the birth of Christ. So Luke is wanting us to connect all these dots and to see God is working through all of these events in history to get Joseph and Mary right where he wants them. Now, if you if you were not a believer, you might just look at all this and say, well, that's a big coincidence, right? I mean, things just happen. Human history just happens. Uh, the events of our lives just happen, but but we know as believers, things don't just happen. God holds us in His hands, the hearts of all people. He He directs us like rivers of water wherever He pleases, and it, yeah, I mean, it boggles my mind to understand how how is it that we make free choices and decisions, and yet this one true God of the Bible works through our free choices and decisions to fulfill His purposes. Uh, I don't pretend to understand that and have that figured out, but here's what I know. The Bible teaches this not so that we would um, just be confounded by it. It teaches this so that we could be encouraged by it. That you can rest in the purpose of God's sovereignty. That the God who guides the, the movements and the steps of Caesar Augustus and Governor Quirinius and Joseph and Mary, this is the same God who guides your steps too. And He's trustworthy. I love Proverbs 3, 5-6. through six. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And and maybe that's what you need to do during this Advent season. Maybe God is calling you back to this wholehearted trust in Him. He can be trusted. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Let me finish reading that. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. So when you're feeling small and insignificant, just like this little place in Bethlehem, this I mean, we're, we're a tiny dot among almost 8 billion people on the planet. When you feel small, when you feel insignificant, be encouraged that God is very much at work in your life. He's guiding. He's working. He always does what's right. And you know, as the holidays approach, some of you may find yourself in a, in a place of struggle or sadness or confusion. You know, you're going through some very challenging things and you, you may be wondering, why, God, why have you allowed these things to come into my life? Maybe it was a, an unforeseen accident or all of a sudden there's been this diagnosis or you're having some marital trouble or there's a financial strain. Or for some of you, you know, this is your first Christmas. You've lost a parent or a child or even your spouse, and this is the first Christmas without them. Uh, but just, just know that God sees you and just know that God is working for you and working through you and working in you. That He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. And you can rest in that. Uh, this is especially comforting to the Christian. We know the truth of Romans 8.28 that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him. That doesn't say that all things are good, but God is working all things for the good of those that love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. And that purpose is us being conformed into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. So God's guidance and God's care and God's sovereignty over our lives, think about this, it's just as exhaustive as the guidance and the care and the sovereignty of God that He demonstrated in guiding all of these events during this first Christmas. And friend, that is such great news 
for God's little people. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in next time as we continue another episode in our Advent podcast. Mm -hmm.